And I'd like to invite you to open your Bibles this morning to the book of Hebrews. And we're going to look at the second chapter, the book of Hebrews and chapter 2. Hebrews chapter 2, and we'll look at the first two verses. It says here, God, who at sundry times and in diverse manners, or different times and in different ways. God, who at sundry times and in different manners, spake in time past unto the Father by the prophets. Now notice this in verse 2 has in these last days. Well, that's the day in which we are right now. We are living in the last of the last days. Do you firmly believe that? Now notice, has in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, amen, by whom he also made the world. And so he's still speaking to us today. He is speaking to us through the word, for he is the word. And he is speaking to us by and through the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. And another way that he speaks to us is he speaks us through the table. And what do you mean through the table? I'm talking about through the communion table. The symbols of communion... Speak to us of what he has done, what he is doing, and what he will do. And that's what we want to talk about this morning. We want to talk about the declarations that you and I can proclaim through the Lord's table. Amen? Amen? See, what he has done for us affects each and every one of us in our daily lives. He's got you covered. He's got us covered. He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. Isaiah says that He is the one who inhabits eternity. Oh, glory to God. Speaking to Moses, when Moses asked him, Who should I say sent me when I go before Pharaoh? And God said, you tell him, I am that I am has sent you. Well, I'm so thankful today that he is not today the I was. He is not today the I will be. He is still the great I am that I am. He am the Lord that waked us up this morning. He am the Lord that healeth us. He am our righteousness. He am our peace. He am our victory. Amen. Oh, glory to God. And so, first of all, the Lord's table, communion, speaks to us through the declarations of what He has done in the past. Look with me in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. And notice with me in verse uh, 23 through 25. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, 23 through 25. Notice this. He said, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, 
that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, he took the bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. Now notice this, this do in remembrance of me. This do in remembrance of me. And then he took the cup after the same manner. He also took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do. I like that phrase, this do. This is something that we're doing this morning. But this is something that you can do in your home. You don't have to wait till the first Sunday of the month to receive communion. He said, this do. And so if he said, this do, we ought to be doing it. Why? Because we're not just a bunch of hearers of the word today. You and I are doers. We're doers of the word of God. So he said, this do, as oft as you drink it, in remembrance of me. Now that word remembrance is a very powerful word. The word remembrance there is actually an active recalling to your mind. It's more than memory. It's just, we're not here this morning, we're just remembering what the Lord has done, but we're actively declaring the goodness of God, declaring what He has done. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I believe this, one of the best ways for you and I not to forget what he has done is to continuously declare it. Continuously speak it. Say what God has done. Say what God is doing. Say what God will yet do. Amen. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Because you see, he works with our words. He does. Matter of fact, he is the apostle and the high priest of our confession, seated at the right hand of the Father. He hears the words that you and I speak consistently, and he works with our words. And let me just remind you, the death and life are in the power of the tongue. He don't work with words of death. Someone else works with words of death. He works with words of life because he is, in fact, thy life. Amen. He is the apostle and high priest of our confession. So when he's saying, do this in remembrance of me, what we're doing is we're laying hold of all of Jesus Christ's redemptive benefits. And this is not a ritualistic remembrance But this is an active confession. An active confession. Every day of our lives. Oh, glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Think about all that he has done. Has he not done great things? The one who has done great things is expecting great things from you. He's expecting great things from the deposits and the investments that he's placed in all of us, some of us, decade after decade after decade. Now let's qualify the word 
great things. He's expecting great things. Yes, we're to do the works that he did and greater works. Amen. But do you know this, that you can be a great mom? You can be a great father. You can be a great usher. You can be a great nursery worker. How about this one for a moment? You can be a great friend. Because he has done great things, the expectation of us doing great things is in his mind and in his heart. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. So let's take a look at some of the things that he has done. Has he not made us new creations in Christ? He has made us accepted in the beloved. He has made us his masterpieces. He has made us new creations. We're not going to be new someday on the inside. We became new creations the day we made Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior. Oh, hallelujah. He has made us the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It's not like someday I'm going to be right. No, you are already right in His sight. And some of you just need to rest in the finished works of Christ. The Bible says that believers, when they believe, they'll enter into rest. Rest in what He has done. Stop struggling. Stop trying to talk God into doing something that He's already done. That's not polite. Find out what He has done. Lay hold of what He has done. Possess and take what He has done. And hide it in your heart. And rejoice, praise God, that you are not about to be delivered. You are a delivered son and daughter of God. For He has delivered you from the power of darkness and translated you into the kingdom of His dear Son. I'm not about to be delivered from this or that. I've been delivered. And that's the kind of mindset we need to have. Because if we're struggling to be delivered, and we're struggling with this and struggling with that, we're not resting in the finished works of Christ. Oh, my, my brothers and sisters, it is finished. It is done. The work has been accomplished. And that's what communion and the Lord's table declares to us today. That the work is finished. The work is done. By His stripes, you're going to be healed. By His stripes, you you were what? You were healed. By His blood, you are accepted. By His blood covenant, glory to God, all of your needs are met. Look at your neighbor and say, He has done great, great things. You know, you can just get real happy about feasting on the past tenses of God's Word. Here's one. How about this? Christ has. I'm not about to be redeemed. You are redeemed. You have been redeemed from the curse of the law. 
And if you look at the curse of the law, you know that the curse of the law included poverty, sickness, and spiritual death. Stop struggling to get out of poverty. Now, it may look like you're poor, but God doesn't see you poor. I'm going to say that again. It may look like you're poor. There are days it may feel like you're poor. But God doesn't see us as poor. He sees us as being rich in Him. Amen. Glory to God. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Now, communion also speaks to us of what He's doing presently in our lives. You know, the work that He's begun in you He's, he's co- uh, committed to perform it. Are you committed to his performance in your life? He started a good work in you. Now don't shut him off. Don't shut him down. Keep the door open. The key to Christianity and to our life in him is to become more like him every day. Amen. Christianity basically is Christ-likeness. I want to be like Him. So anything and everything that's not like Him, I need to let Him work in me. Amen? But it's not a work of the flesh, it's a work of the Spirit. Because the only way that we can become more like Him is not by our own might. Not by our own strength. But it can be and will be by the Spirit of the living God. Oh, work a work in us, Lord. May we become conformed to the image of your dear Son. And so there's this present work that we understand and we see as we look at communion today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. This present work has to do with his presence keeping us he's done great things but he's committed to keep us until he returns you know you think about the scripture in 1 Thessalonians 5.23 it says the very God of peace may he sanctify you wholly and your whole spirit soul and body be preserved blameless Unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is the will of God for us to be kept until He returns. To be kept in our heart. To be kept in our mind. Oh my goodness. How many of you know your mind needs to be kept? Now we have the mind of Christ. And the Bible says we do not have a spirit of fear but a power to love and of a sound mind. But how many of you know that the mind of Christ and the sound mind must be kept? I said it must be kept. And he is committed to keep it. But one way that he keeps it is through our cooperation of keeping our mind stayed on him. Because if we will keep our mind stayed on him, he will keep us in perfect peace. I know I'm getting ahead of myself, but I just can't help it. God is so good. He's going to keep you. He's going to keep you spirit soul and body 
He's going to preserve you till the trumpet sounds or till you breathe your last breath because you're satisfied with all the years that you've lived. His keeping power is keeping you every day of your life. Woo! Glory to God. First Peter chapter 1 and verse 5 says it this way, that we, what, we are kept by the power of God. We're kept by the power of God through faith, ready to be revealed in the last time. I'm kept. You know what? You're a keeper. The Lord is our keeper. And all he's asking us to do is to have some confidence and faith in the power of God so that we can be kept until he returns. Hallelujah. Paul said it this way. He says, I know in whom I have believed and I'm persuaded that he is able to keep those things which I have committed unto him until that last day. Amen. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm being kept by the very power of God. Woo, glory to God. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Now, here's another, another part of his keeping power. It's in Jude 20. Look over at Jude 20. Are you getting anything yet today? Jude 20. Notice this verse. Jude 20. Actually, I don't think it's Jude 20. It's around there somewhere. It might be Jude 22 or 21. It says, let's read it together. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. So whose responsibility is that to walk in love? Whose responsibility is it to forgive? See, we've been forgiven, but we also need to be forgivers. Now, understand this. In the context of 1 Corinthians chapter 11, it says, but let a man examine himself. Examine himself. So, during communion and during this time of fellowship, we can examine ourselves. And one thing that we need to examine ourselves about is, are we walking in love? Are we free from offense? Have we forgiven those who have done evil against us? Are we walking in love in the marketplace? Are we being builders of people through our words or are we tearing them down? You see, he says, keep yourself in the love of God. Thank God we can do it. I said we can do it. And we must do it. Amen? Amen. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Oh, praise God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. And so we are kept by the power of God. Because we have a covenant with a covenant-keeping God. Now, another thing that His presence is doing currently in our lives. It is not only keeping us full of His presence and full of His goodness... But it's also giving us the assurance that he said in his word that he would never, ever leave us nor forsake us. Look at Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5. 
And this scripture is loaded to the guilt. So we're going to just read the last part of it. You can go to the next part of the verse. He says, he says, I will not leave you without support. I will not in any degree leave you helpless nor forsake you or let you down or relax my hold on you. Assuredly not. What this basically is saying is this. He said, I will never, ever leave you or forsake you. I like that, don't you? He'll never leave me. He'll never leave us without support. He'll never leave us. Hallelujah. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. His presence is keeping us. The goodness of the Lord, the presence of the Lord is upon us. The power of God is active, working in you, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. His power is upholding you. Amen? His power is upholding you. His power and His presence is upholding all things in our lives. If He's withholding the sun, the moon, and the stars by the word of His power, He's upholding you. He's upholding your family. Amen. He's an upholder. Glory to God. Now notice this. In Jude, uh, uh, Jude 24, I believe it is. Jude 24. Praise God. Somebody said, well, you know, I've been, I've been tempted and I've, I've fallen so many times. How many of you have ever been tempted with the same things over a hundred times? We've got five honest people here. <laughs> it's no sin to be tempted, right? The sin is yielding to the temptation. And what makes it even worse is once you have fallen and asked for forgiveness, you holding on to that guilt. Holding on to that condemnation. But understand this, that he is a God who is able to keep you from falling. Jude 24, let's read it together. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory. Amen. Well, Pastor Mark, I got drunk last week. Well, he's able to keep you out of the bars. Well, Pastor Mark, I got loaded on weed last night. Well, he's able to keep you from reefer. Well, Pastor Mark, I've been feeding on pornography. Nobody would tell me that, but we know that pornography is a very real thing in the world. And unfortunately, it's a very real thing in the body of Christ. Well, I've been feeding on pornography. Well, he's able to keep you from falling. We better read that verse again. Verse 24, ready read. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling. Now point at yourself and say it this way. Now unto him that is able to keep me from falling. I don't have to fall. I don't have to yield to sin. I don't have to yield to temptation. Because my God is able 
And, you know, we've mentioned a few pretty graphic things. But you know what? He's able to keep you from falling into doubt. He's able to keep you from falling into walking by sight. I mean, every day of our lives, we have the choice to make. As soon as your eyes open up in the morning, we have the choice whether we're going to walk by faith or whether we're going to walk by sight. He is able to keep you and I from falling back into patterns of doubt and unbelief. He's able to keep us falling back into patterns of words of death. He is able. Now what we need to do is rely on His ability. We need to employ the very ability of God. Is He not able? Is He not able to do exceeding great and wonderful things in our lives? He's able to keep us out of those things, but we need to respond to His ability. And one of the best ways that we can respond to the ability that He's placed on the inside of us is make sure that we nurture that, make sure that we become more God-inside-minded than body-feelings outside it. Make sure that we are more God-inside-minded than the fiery darts that come to our soul-minded. Amen. Amen. Cultivate that inner relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And then another way that you can do it is you can pray much. (laughs) You can pray much in the Holy Spirit. And as you pray in the Holy Spirit, what's going to happen in your life is you're going to become more aware of Him than you are the temptations around you. And you can expect Him to envelop you with His grace and with His power. Hallelujah. And to keep you out of the ditch. To keep you from falling. Say with me, my God is keeping me every day, every day of my life. Amen. Amen. He can break the patterns of doubt and unbelief through training. Say with me, I choose to live by, to walk by, faith in God's Word, rather than what I see around me. Now look at 1 John chapter 5, and let's notice in verse 18. 1 John 5, 18. Communion affects our past. The Lord's table can affect our present. In 1 John chapter 5, verse 18, I want you to go ahead and read this with me. Ready? Read. We know that whosoever is born of God. Let's stop right there and say it with me. I'm born of God. Are you born of God? What does that remind you? Whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world, even our faith. Notice this. We know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not. Now, we need to qualify that. That word sinneth not there means sinning as a way of life. Sinning as something that you do consistently without even any thought to it. When you're born of God, you don't do that. Now when you're born of God, maybe you have sinned. Of course you have. Of course I have. Of course we have, right? Nothing new about that. 
But notice with me. Whosoever is born of God sinneth not, not as a way of life. Not consistently. Amen. Glory to God. But he that is begotten of God, that word begotten there is another way of saying born of God. He that is born of God, what does he do? He keepeth himself. And the result is, and the wicked one, the wicked one, I said the wicked one cannot touch you. The wicked one cannot touch you. And when it says the wicked one cannot touch you, that means that no weapon formed against you is going to prosper. Is that right? Let's say that together. No weapon. No fiery dart of the wicked one that comes against me shall not prosper. The wicked one can't touch me. Point to yourself and say, can't touch this. Can't touch this body. Can't touch this mind. Can't touch this spirit. The wicked one is under my feet. The wicked one cannot touch me. Why? Because you're keeping yourself. You're keeping yourself. You're doing your very best to walk in what you know. You're doing your very best to walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The wicked one touches you not. You know what else that means? Not only does that mean that no weapon formed against you is going to prosper, it also means that there, no shall, there shall no evil befall thee. Neither shall any plague come nigh your dwelling. Why? Because he has placed us in the secret place in, of the Most High. We become inaccessible to the attacks of the enemy because we're in the secret place. The wicked one cannot touch us. Oh, he'll try. He'll try his best. But how many of you can lift a hand and say, even though he has tried, the angels of the Lord have been encamped around me and have protected me. What about the rest of you? You have no idea how many times his angels have attended your way. Look at Psalm 91.10 and read verse 11 with me. 10 and 11, Psalm 91. It says, There shall no evil befall thee, neither shall any plague come nigh thy dwelling. Amen? Notice this. For he shall do what? He shall give his angels charge over you. This is what he's currently doing. He's keeping us. He's given his angels charge over us. And he's given us the blood of Jesus for us to plead every day of our lives. I mean, before you get on 880, you better plead the blood. Before you go to the grocery store, you better plead the blood. Everyone say, I plead the blood. 
I plead the blood. I plead the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. Who can testify that he gave his angels charge over you? And he protected you from that accident. Glory to God. Glory to God. We are alive and breathing and in our right mind today. Because he's given his angels charge over us. And they have kept us. And brothers and sisters, if he has kept you this far, he'll keep you tomorrow. He'll keep you next week. He will keep you all the way to your finish line. I think we ought to shout amen. Amen. Glory to God. And then lastly, communion also declares something about our future. Look at 1 Corinthians 11, 26. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 26. Thank you, Lord, for utterance. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty six. 26. Notice this. For as often as you eat this bread, we're about to do that right now, aren't we? Often, often as you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you do show, you do show the Lord's death till he what? Till he comes. This word show there means proclaim. It means to declare. It means to preach. It means to announce. And it means to publish. These elements that we're about to receive today not only stand for what Jesus did, but they proclaim and foretell the fact that Jesus is coming again to give us a glorious future. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Folks, this is not the end. This is only the beginning of a life in God, of a life with God throughout all the ages from eternity to eternity. You see, communion then, in a sense, is foretelling of a future event that's yet to come. You might say that we're involved in a progressive dinner. (laughs) And as good as it's been down here. Oh, I know there's been tests. I know there's been trials. I'm very familiar with the tests and trials of this life, aren't you? But how many of you know God's brought you through? And if you're in one right now, He's bringing you through. It's been good down here. Has God been good to you? Has God been good to you right now? Oh, absolutely. He said, surely goodness and mercy are going to follow us all the days of our life. We're going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. But what we're partaking of right now is just the appetizer. (laughs) It's just a taste of what's to come. Now the main meal, and, and what's on the table is good. I said, what's on the table is good. There's good things on the table. He's prepared a table before us in the presence of our enemies. We don't minimize that. 
But the final course is going to be served (laughs) in glory at the marriage supper of the Lamb. In Revelation 19.9, it says this, Then he said to me, Write, Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he saith unto me, These are the true sayings of God. The marriage supper. Hallelujah. How many of you got kinfolk up in glory? It's going to be good to see him again, right? The best is going to be good to see Jesus. And it's not going to be very long before he calls us all home. You know what you and I are? We're homeward bound. We're on our way to glory. And what we're doing is we're singing and shouting and we're dancing about the victory. But we're on our way. We're right now in the last of the last days. We're in a day where it's harvest time. And during harvest time, it needs to be all hands on deck, right? Because there's going to be a day when the door is closed. There's going to be a day that whoever had the opportunity to call on the name of the Lord will be over with. And that's why you and I, in these last of the last days, in this little sliver of time that we have left, we need to be about our Father's business. Oh, hallelujah. In Titus 2.13, here's what we're doing. Titus 2.13, let's bring that up there. He said, we're looking for that blessed hope. And the glorious appearing of the great God and of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Are you looking for Him? I said, are you looking for Him? We're looking for that blessed hope. And I love 1 John chapter 3 and verses 1 through 3. So let's take a look at that. 1 John chapter 3 verses 1 through 3. They're doing a great job up there, aren't they? Let's read verses 1 through 3 together. Behold what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Verse 2. Now are we the sons of God. And as doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know. Let's keep that verse up there right there. But we know. But we know. Here's what we know. We know that when he shall appear. And he's about to. He's about to. We know that when he shall appear. We're going to be just like him. Why? Because we shall see him. As he is. And as he is in this world. So are we. We're going to see him as he is. Next verse, verse 3. Did you wear your shouting clothes this morning? Read it with me real strong. And everyone that has this hope in him purifieth himself even as he is pure. We have this blessed hope. 
we have this blessed hope. Jesus is coming soon. And so communion declares to us that Jesus is the one who was, that Jesus is the one who is, and that he is the one to come. In the past, he accomplished the great work of redemption. In the presence, he is with us in mighty power and presence. But in the future, he's coming as the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he's going to bring to you and I a glorious future. Amen. Glory to God. Well, let's thank God for what we've heard today. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. He's coming. Jesus is coming soon. Morning or night or noon. The King is coming. And that's our hope. And that's why we're here. That's why we live. That's why we breathe. That's why we move. We're looking for Jesus. To manifest himself in great power and great glory. I'm going to call the worshipers up here. Pastor Tom, if you would.